Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... of us is a hostage to time and fortune. Our lives are handed over to what appears to be the random chances of an uncertain fate. So often, there seems to be no rhyme or reason for any of it. Or is there a plan, a great and grand master plan, where even the fall of a leaf is strictly scheduled and rigidly accounted for? I have nothing against you. Then let me go. Please, let me go. Sorry, I can't do that. But that gun, you're pointing it at me. I know. You're going to kill me. Only if I have to. I never did anything to you. I don't even know you. I'm sorry. Don't kill me, please. I have to. Why? So that everybody will know I'm serious. Our mystery drama, Case Closed was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Mandel Kramer. It is sponsored in part by Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule, and True Value Hardware Stores. I'll be back shortly with Act One. As the preacher says... There's nothing new under the sun. No matter how bad things may be today, someone will always come up with a reminder that things were worse in the past. Consider violence. If you think it's unsafe to walk the city streets today, why, it's a dance around the maypole compared to, say, 150 years ago. All right, now that we've got that in perspective, let us concern ourselves with a gentleman named Chester Allen Jones. Perhaps he is something new under the sun. In the past, crime as a rule was committed by criminals. But these days, it seems, all manner of respectable folk seem to be involved in it. Our story begins at 2.47 p.m. Wednesday afternoon, August 27th, according to a police report that is being prepared by Lieutenant Francis Xavier Fitzmaurice. At which time the perpetrator... Later to be identified as Chester Allen Jones, white, male, 43 years of age, did enter the premises of the Farmers and Mercantile Bank and Trust, North Main and Ninth, where he approached the teller, Joanna V. Butler, and demanded... Put all your money in this bag. <gasps> don't step on anything. Don't push anything. Don't try to signal anyone. No, no sir, I won't. I, I mean, I will not. Got this revolver pointed straight at your heart. Yes, I... See, Hurry up with the money. Yes, sir. I'm trying to get it all in the bag, but my hands are shaking. I, I What's that? What, what? What? The police. I didn't do anything. I swear I didn't do anything. All right, come on from behind that counter. I... Walk out. Come on, move. But don't shoot, please. Don't shoot. Let the stick out. No, no, no. Everybody shut up. Shoot I'm going to put that bullet into your head. Now, everybody shut up and don't make me shoot again. No. You. Yes. Stand in front of me. Please. Please. Just stand right here and don't move. Please. Nobody in this place moves an inch. That's right. 
Or drop your weapon. Raise your hands or you can't get away. Stay out. I'll kill people if you try to come in. Now don't be crazy. Nobody's hurt. Not yet. You're not in that much trouble. Now be smart. Don't try to rush me. I'm warning you. Don't try. You. Mm-hmm. You just stay right in front of me. Uh, All right, the rest of you clear out. Everybody out of the bank. You heard me. Start walking. All right, I'm allowing these people to leave. Don't try to come in. I still have one of them. You. You, the fat man there with the hat. Yes, you. Now, you'll be the last one out. That's right. Now, stand there. All right, now, you go and close the door behind you. That's right. What, what do you want? What What are you going to do with me? Move toward the window. You, you're hurting my arm. Don't fight me. Just go where I tell you. What do you want? Pull down the blinds. The blinds? I'll kill you if you try anything. I won't. I won't. The, the, the blinds, the, the blinds. That's right. Just let them drop. Yes. Good. Now the shutters. The, the shutters? The steel shutters that cover the windows and the door. Yes, yes. The, the shutters. Go ahead. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I know where the switch is located. Drop the shutters. But I tell you, I don't remember. Oh, I, I remember. I, I remember. It, 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 it's here. Uh, by the door. Right, 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 right over here. Do it. This bank is about 30 feet by 40. The vault has an opening in the rear. The door left opens on a storeroom. Another door right is to kind of an employee's lounge or the bathroom. The only entrance is through the business office. The lounge does not have any windows. There's no way to get at him except through the front. And he has the iron shutters down. There's no way he could be picked off. Besides, he has the hostage. At 3.15, an attempt was made to contact him. He opened the door a crack. We spoke through the shutters. What do you want? Sooner or later, you'll have to talk to somebody. I know what you're trying to do. Really? What am I trying to do? You're trying to humor me. Well, why would I want to do that? You think you're dealing with some common hoodlum? No, no, I never said anything like that. I'm not your ordinary, everyday bank robber. You're not? You'd never guess who I am. I wouldn't. Never. Not in a million years. Go ahead, guess. Well, uh... Think the, of the most unlikely person. Uh... Go ahead. Uh, the, uh, the Duke of Windsor. Who? The one who used to be the Prince of Wales. He gave up the throne. <laughs> You're not even close. I'm Chester Jones. Oh. Glad to meet you, Mr. Jones. I'm Lieutenant Francis Xavier Fitzmaurice. You never heard of me. Well, now that you mention it, I think your name does ring a, a chord. Now, you mustn't do that. Do what? Patronize me. There was no way you could ever have heard of me. They took care of that. They? They made sure no one would ever know how important I am. Oh. Well, tell me. How important are you? All right, I will. Have you ever heard of Trowbridge Industries? uh... Trowbridge. That's always been his secret. You see, keep in the background. Just take the money and smile. Well, I'm chief engineer. Oh? We make those... Well, I can't talk about it because it's top secret. You understand, being a police officer. Absolutely. Just let me say that what we make is a tiny little bit of a thing. But without it, you couldn't get a fighter plane off the ground. That's a fact. Now, I warn you, don't patronize me. I am not. I am not. Believe me. 
I am very, very much impressed. Now, I'm telling you this because they want you to realize that you're not dealing with some run-of-the-mill criminal. Well, I was sure of that from the very beginning. Now, uh, Jones, you, uh, you have a young lady there with you. Yes. About the young lady. Look, she is of she... no importance. She's merely a pawn in the game. Well, you certainly have no intention of hurting her. You're too good and generous a man for that. Good and generous, yes. I was always good and generous. That's why I'm a ruined man today. Good and generous no longer. Well, then why don't you let the young lady go? Let her go? She never did you any harm. Why should she suffer? I never did anyone any harm either. Why do I have to suffer? Yeah, but surely... But I don't want to talk anymore. Just another few seconds, Mr. Jones. I said I don't want to talk anymore. For the next three hours, all efforts to make further contact were unavailing. It was suggested we bring his wife down to talk to him. I decided to talk to her first. Accordingly, I went to see her. 7 p.m. You can't be serious. He identified himself as Chester Allen Jones. Well, there's obviously someone else by that name. Chief engineer at Trowbridge Industries. Well, perhaps someone is impersonating him. Well, the holdup was televised on a special closed-circuit TV, beamed to a banking protective service. Now, look, here. Here's a blow-up from a frame. Is this your husband? Oh, it's impossible. Is it true? Well, it, it's Chester. It, it, it is Chester. Chester? Robbing a bank? Oh, it's ridiculous. I'm sorry, Mrs. Jones. How could he do this? I'm going right on down there. I'll make him see reason. No, I'm afraid that's not possible, Mrs. Jones. I know how to handle him. But we him. can't allow him to become irritated in any way. He has a loaded revolver pointing at a hostage. How long will you permit this to go on? As long as it takes. Oh, this is awful. This is absolutely awful. I'm sure it is. How will I ever be able to show my face to my friends again? We decided not to involve the wife. At 10 p.m., we tried to make contact with Jones again. He refused to talk. This is a bad sign. In all these situations, the perpetrators are anxious to carry on a dialogue. It increases their sense of importance. They're excited by the very idea of negotiations. But how could we figure Jones? Unless we knew what Jones wanted, we would have no clue to him at all. Are you going to kill me, Mr. Jones? What? I asked, are you going to kill me? I don't know. You don't know? I haven't really thought about that. Right now, it's not important. It's important to me. Just don't try anything. What can I try? All I see is the muzzle of that revolver. It's a big black hole, and it's pointing at me. And death can come out of there. You talk too much. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. But I have to do something. Up till now, I've been scared. Terrified, but I can't keep that up forever. The fright goes away, and you're empty. I, I remember that expression from high school science. Nature abhors a vacuum, so I just fill myself up with talk. Well, don't mind me. It, it doesn't mean anything. Nature does not abhor a vacuum. But it don't contradict me. I'm an engineer. Yes, sir. I'm a scientist. I know more about it than you do. That remark was uttered by Spinoza. Oh, really? I didn't know that. You could tell that he was a philosopher, not a man of science. Nature does not abhor a vacuum. She doesn't. Nature is not a she or a he, not even an it. Nature is, that's all. And nature doesn't know, doesn't care, is not involved. Nature is a force that simply acts. Do you understand? Oh, yes, sir, I understand. Mr. Jones, 
What is it now? Mr. Jones, are you going to kill me? I already told you, I don't know. At 11.30 p.m., we succeeded in getting Mr. Jones to come to the door and talk with us again. We brought a tray of food and beverages. The plan was to have him let Miss Butler come to the door to pick it up, where we might have an opportunity to grab her and yank her out of there. But he was too smart for that. He made us place the tray on the ground and uh, push it inside. He was constantly using her as a shield. We had no way to get at him. What was worse, we were unable to communicate. Mr. Jones, you can't go on like this indefinitely. I've been going on indefinitely all my life. Well, and sir. And so have you. Most people do. We just go on from day to day, living for the moment. Mr. Jones, let me say to you again what I said to you at the very beginning. So far, nobody got hurt. Nothing too bad can happen to you. Just hand over your gun and walk out with the young lady. You'll wind up with a thing will be, well, you probably won't even go to jail. Mr. Jones, look, I'm not just saying this to get at you. It's the truth. Why don't you make it easy on everybody? Come on out. Mr. Jones, you know I'm right. I can't do it. Why not? I just can't. Well, why don't you tell us what you want, Mr. Jones? What do you want? What do I want? Yes, Mr. Jones. What do you want? I don't know. got a gun in one hand, the other hand holds a hostage. Half the city police force is arrayed outside against him. People are willing to be reasonable, to discuss it, but it's all for nothing. Because he doesn't even know what he wants. Well, I know what I want. I want you to wait just a short while till I return with Act Two. ask for what you want. You wish you'd never received it. So, at any rate, advise the philosophers. But what does Chester Allen Jones want? Money, obviously, because he's just been prevented from robbing a bank. But evidently, it goes deeper. How much deeper? That's the problem for Lieutenant Francis Xavier Fitzmaurice. 8 a.m., August 28th, Thursday. Breakfast was delivered to the bank... But Jones was too alert for us to have a chance to get at his hostage. His wife has been of no help to us. We decided to try his employer, Mr. J.R. Trowbridge. Chester trying to rob a bank and barricading himself inside with a hostage? That's right, Mr. Trowbridge. Hmm. I guess it's worse than I thought. Well, what's worse than you thought, sir? Hmm. But could that have set him off? What, what, what do you mean, sir? Oh, well, I'd, uh, I'd given him a, a very bad piece of news in the morning. How bad? <laughs> the worst. He was going to be out of a job. Oh. In other words, you were going to fire him? Uh, yeah, no, we were all going to be fired. How's that? The company was being taken over. It was a bad morning for poor Chester. I, I guess it was too much for him to take all at one time. Well, can you describe what happened? Uh, well, it'd be a hard morning to forget. <laughs> He got in about, uh, we were 7.30 as usual. <laughs> Trust him to arrive and be at work long before anyone else. Well, <clears throat> I got in at 9 and I went right to his office. Oh, what is it, J.R.? 
Oh, well, there's uh, at least a hundred ways I could go about this. Go about what? Well, uh, first, just the board meeting's been called off. Oh? Why? Uh, because it would be academic. There's nothing the present board decides would be of any value. We're being taken over. What do you mean, we're being taken over? We are broke. Broke? How can J.R. Trowbridge and Company be broke? How can you be broke? Uh, How? That's a hell of a good question. I wish you'd answer it. Uh, Well, it is... It's a complex question, Chester. J.R., what happened? I mean, how can this company be broke? Well, maybe I uh, maybe I just don't know how I to I mean, with all those contracts, all this work. Well, we're not making money on anything. But why? You keep asking, Chester, and I keep answering. I guess I, I just don't know how to run a company. Oh, come on. J.R. Trowbridge? You know what that, what that name means? Oh, they'll keep the name. They'll keep the company name all right. They'll even keep me on as a vice president. Not to do anything, just, uh, just to be visible. And me? I couldn't save you, Chester. But I noticed that you did save yourself. No, no, I, I'm sorry. They don't want you. And you'd let them get rid of me? No, now, in the first place, I had nothing to say about it. <clears throat> in the second place, don't you give me a hard time. You mean you've got a guilty conscience? Yes, yes, Chester. I, I do have a guilty conscience. That's been my trouble. When my father died, I should have fired you and all the other old-timers, but my conscience wouldn't let me. Fired us? We made this company. Oh, no, Chester. You didn't make this company. You made the old Tobridge Company. But the world, times, they have passed you by. You have the best research department in the entire industry. Yes, 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 I have. There isn't a single problem my research department can solve, except one. How to make money. I've been here for 20 years. I came here out of college. To be fired just like that? Oh, it, it, it won't be just like that, Chester. The new people will do an efficiency study in order to determine... I gave what... everything to this company and to be kicked out. No, no, you won't be kicked. When they formally decide to, uh, to release you, you, you'll be given three months' pay. Oh, that's very generous. Well, yes, it is. Could have been given two weeks ago. Look, J.R., I need the job. Chester, I tried to explain. I know you did, but I'm broke. Broke? Yes. But you've been making some very good money. How could you be broke? Believe me. Well, you don't live high. J.R., I need money. I have got to hold on to this job. Oh, Chester, I am. I'm flat broke. The best you can say is that you're sorry? I don't see how you can be flat broke. What am I supposed to do? Rob a bank? And you have no idea why he should be broke? Yes, no, none at all. Is there anyone else who might know? Well, you uh, might ask his wife. Well, Mr. Trowbridge, I get the idea she may have contributed to the situation, but wouldn't be of too much help. Yes, well, I suppose I'd better tell you. Uh, Lorna Hodges. Lorna Hodges? Yeah, she's a married woman. Uh, Chester has been going with her for some time. I know about it because he, he, he had to tell someone, you know. And, and as I understand it, oh, they're very much in love. Maybe she can enlighten you. August 10th, 10 a.m. Lorna Hodges, or Mrs. Randolph B. Hodges, is a woman of about 40. She lives in the suburbs around Clearview. Small, quiet lady. He, uh, he wasn't happy at home. Neither am I. 
We, well, you could say we found each other. We, we love each other. Well, he, uh, he has no money. Why? She drains him. His wife does. The clothes that woman wears. At a whim, she'll redecorate the house. She buys furniture. She buys art, jewelry. Well, then there is something that can be turned into money. Oh, she wouldn't give him a nickel. Well, still, for a man like him to rob a bank. Why do you say for a man like him? Well, he's a respectable, law-abiding, established citizen. His and world I... came to an end. He's no longer chief engineer at Trowbridge Industries. All right. All right. But we have we have an immediate problem. He's locked himself into that bank. He has a hostage. And we have to get her out alive. Yes. I know. The problem is we just can't seem to reach him. I've tried to talk to him, but, you know, I'm just a cop as far as he's concerned. His wife? Well, that would make him worse than ever. Yes. Yes, it would. His best friend, or his former best friend, was his boss. I don't think he's in any mood for J.R. Trowbridge Jr. now. I don't think so either. So, who are we left with? Well, I don't know. I know. You. Me? Yes. You're in love with each other. Yes. He trusts you. Yes. Well, then, will you come down to the bank with me and, and try to talk to him? Mrs. Hodges... Will you come down to the bank? Uh, no. But you're the only one he'll talk to. I, I, I know. Well, then why won't you come down to... I can't. A human life is at stake here. I understand. Well, then why... Do you have to ask why? Yes. Because it's over. It's all over now between Chester and me. He'll go to jail or he'll go to an asylum. I... I suppose you could say I'm leaving a sinking ship. Mrs. Hodges, as long as you brought it up, you know who leaves a sinking ship? Yes, and they're smart. Is it better to drown? I'm thinking of a girl who's looking at the muzzle of a revolver. She could die at any minute. And you want me to die? Well, why, why would Maybe you... Maybe the sinking ship was a bad analogy. Perhaps it was. Did... Did you ever hear of Satie? What? Satie. It's an old-time custom in India. I understand they either got or are getting rid of it. You see, when a man dies, he's cremated, and his wife is cremated with him. Now, what does that have to do with Jones? Unofficially, quietly, secretly, and to all intents and purposes, I am the equivalent of Chester's wife. But now he's dead. Do I have to die with him? Why would you have to die? Well, the headline in tomorrow's morning's paper... Mistress of Pratt Robert tries to talk him out of Barricaded Bank. That is how the media will handle it, won't they? Well, I... Well, what? I'll go up to the door of the bank with a... With... Well, what do you call it? A, a bullhorn. And I'll say... Chester, come out of there. I love you. It's me, Lorna. Darling. No. Oh, Lieutenant Fitzmaurice, I can't do it. I have two teenage children. Doesn't Chester mean anything to you? Oh, yes. As recently as yesterday, he meant everything. But he's gone. For me, he's dead now. <laughs> and you claim you're in love with him. Oh, yes. But my life has to go on. 
Mrs. Hodges. I'm sorry, Lieutenant. August 28th, 3 p.m. At this point, the siege was just about 24 hours old. We're still nowhere in terms of progress. He still refused to talk to us. We were still unable to find anyone who could talk effectively to him. It was suggested we ask a clergyman, but Jones refused to speak to him. We kept asking and asking. Mr. Jones, tell us, what do you want? What do you want? What do I want? Yes. What do you want? I don't know. Mr. Jones, what is it you want? What? The police keep asking. You keep saying you don't know. I don't believe it. You know what you want. What are you talking about? I don't think it's money. I'm not sure you really came in to rob the bank. Of course I came in to rob the bank. What did it look like? Sure, that's what it looked like. But how much money could you have gotten away with? I don't know. A great deal, I suppose. You suppose. You see, you just gave yourself away. How? Well, professional robbers know how much is available. They operate in teams. They don't go for a teller who only has a couple of thousand in her drawer. They go for the vault. You just blundered into the bank. I'm not sure you really wanted money. That shows how much you know about the actual situation. I need a lot of money. Maybe you do. But that wasn't why you tried to hold up the bank. You know, you're an excellent example of non-scientific thinking. You refuse to accept basic facts. Number one, we have my need for money. Number two, we find me in a bank committing a robbery. Period. Problem. It's because you're a scientist, an engineer, that I don't think you meant to rob the bank. If that was your intention, then... Then what? Well, then you'd have planned it better. You'd have used what you'd call the scientific method. You wouldn't just barge in waving a pistol like some juvenile delinquent. You know, all this is very interesting, but the basic fact still remains. I did come in with a pistol. I did demand money. Mm, That was just the first part of it. What do you mean by the first part? Oh, you were just going through certain motions. Yes? What kind of motions? I don't know. But your object was to arrive here. I don't know what you mean by here. Here. Where we're standing, here in the bank. Where you barricaded yourself in. Where you're holding a hostage. This is where you wanted to be. I think you're crazy. I could be. But if money was what you really wanted, why not tell that to the police the next time they talk to you? You know how much money you need, want. Set the figure. Why don't you? Because. Why don't you tell them how much money you want? Because I... I don't really want any money. What do you want? I don't know. You do. You're afraid to say it. You don't want to come to grips with it just yet, but you know. Look, I want you to shut up. All right, but that won't change anything, will it? You know what you want. Yes, I know. Finally. But what does he really want? Can you guess? True to tradition, we've left a few clues scattered here and there during these past two acts, it's quite possible you already have the answer. Compare yours with ours when I return with Act Three in just a few minutes. Who 
was it that said possession is worth nine points in the law? Well, there's a law against robbing banks and barricading oneself with hostages. The problem, however, with laws seems to be that their violation and enforcement depend strictly on which side holds the upper hand. 1 a.m. Friday, August 29th. We've been told that the longer a siege like this lasts, the less likely the perpetrator will kill his hostage. But Chester Allen Jones is unlike anybody who's ever been in a spot like this before. He refuses to say what he wants. Then you do know what you want. Well, I said I did, didn't I? I guess I didn't until just now, but can you guess? No. I want my job. Your job? That's all I want. My job. I mean, other people do these things for money. Lots of money, or for a cause. Not me. I just want my job. That's all I ever wanted in the whole world. That job as chief engineer at Turbridge. And they're going to take it away from me. Then why did you try to rob a bank? Because I didn't see it that clearly at first. You see, when you're fired from a good job, your initial reaction is to worry about money. I mean, I'm in debt. I thought, well, I'll just get my hands on a lot of money. So I, I walked into your bank and I went up to your window and I told you to fill up the bag with money. Do you remember? Oh, yes, I remember. The minute I saw the money, I realized that wasn't what I wanted at all. No? Oh, I really didn't care about money. Believe me, money was something my wife needed. Oh, how she could go through money. Why? Oh, I'll tell you why. Because she's vain, she's self-centered, ostentatious. Then why did you marry her? Well, I can assure you she was not like that 20 years ago. How did she get that way? I misjudged her. She fooled me. Maybe you fooled her. What do you know about it? Well, I'm only trying to see... Who are you? You're a $150 a week teller in a bank. I mean, what kind of a job is that? Well, if you're interested in a career... You sit there day after day and fondle money that isn't yours. I notice you're changing the subject. What subject? The general subject of why you married your wife and who misjudged whom. None of this is any of your business. In a way, it is. Because I think I'm going to pay for it. You're going to kill me, aren't you? I didn't say I would. Can you say you won't? No. You'll have to kill me. You've gotten yourself into a blind alley. That seems to be your style. You lose your job. You rush out and try to rob a bank. I'll bet you met other big disappointments in crazy, violent ways, too. I warn you, shut up, or I will kill you. You're going to kill me anyhow. Why did you say what you did about my wife, that she misjudged me? Were you in love with each other when you were first married? Yes. But that love died. Love doesn't die. It can't. It has to be killed. Who killed it? She did. Oh, why? What is this, the Spanish Inquisition? I gave her all the money she wanted. Did she want anything else? Money was all she ever wanted. Were you rich when you married her? Come on, I was fresh out of college. I didn't have a nickel. Then why did she marry you? Because. Because she loved you. Did you return that love? Oh, will you stop that? It's nonsense. Did you spend time with her? Look, if I didn't spend time at the plant, I wouldn't have made any of the money. She wanted you. And all you ever gave her was money. After a while, money took your place. The money became all important. Oh, that's where you're wrong. She didn't want love. That's why I looked for love elsewhere. I had to. You did? Lorna. Lorna understands me. Lorna loves me. Who's Lorna? A soft, sweet, beautiful woman. Married, I'll bet. How did you know? Does it matter? 
Her husband neglects her. Just as you neglect your wife. Look, we found each other. And you're in love. Deeply, completely in love. Well, why don't each of you get a divorce and marry the other? Because her husband wouldn't permit it. And Helen wouldn't let go of me either. How hard have you tried? What does that mean? These days, if people want divorces badly enough, they can get them. But neither of you wants that. You're satisfied to meet now and then, here and there. Have your little affair. Don't use that word. Give me a more accurate one. A few hours in some little out-of-the-way restaurant, an evening in a motel. You need each other for a romantic interlude. Husbands and wives can't have romance unless they work at it all the time. But strangers can kid each other and themselves. We're in love. Have it your way. Why are you stalling? What are you talking about? Why don't you tell the cops what you want? You're afraid to face it. I'll show you who's afraid. Friday, August 29th, 5 a.m. Chester Allen Jones called out to us. He wanted to talk. He was prepared to state his conditions for the release of Miss Joanna Butler. I want to continue in my job as chief engineer at Trowbridge Industries. That's what you want? Yes, that's what I want, and that's what I must have. Otherwise, I'll kill her. But no buts, no ifs, and no maybes. I want an ironclad guarantee. I've uh, <clears throat> I've spoken to the new management. Yes, Mr. Trowbridge? Now, they're willing to make any statement, any promise that will satisfy Chester. <laughs> Naturally, everybody wants the girl to be safe. You understand I had no choice but to bring this offer. I'm not sure that the demand should be met. What are you saying, Lieutenant? Well, we have to see this thing in perspective. This isn't, and unfortunately may not be, the only incident of its kind. See, we're setting a precedent. Well, uh, any agreement that the company makes was made under duress. Now, once the girl is safe, why... No, no, that, you see, that presents problems, too. For the future, it destroys the credibility of the police. Uh, well, very, very well. Yeah, well, he can continue for a while. You know, sooner or later, this whole business will blow over and be forgotten. Then, then he, he can be quietly released, uh, fired for one reason or another. Well, our basic objective is to get that girl out of there alive. We'll do whatever we have to. Eleven a.m., August twenty-ninth. It was decided after a consultation with superior officers and psychiatric experts to meet the demands of Chester Allen Jones. I went to speak to him. I'm here to tell you, Mr. Jones, your demand has been met. I want it in writing. You've got it in writing. Push it under the door. All right. Now, there's no reason now why you can't let the girl go. Come out yourself, is there? I'll think about it. Well, what's there to think about? What's there to think about, Mr. Jones? I don't know. But this is what you asked for. Yes, this is what I demanded. We guarantee that Mr. Jones will continue as chief engineer at his present salary for as long as he desires. Could you ask for more? Well, they don't have to honor this agreement, you know, once they get their hands on me. Oh, then you don't believe them. No, 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 I believe them. They'll honor the bargain, not because they won't be inclined to break it, but because I can make myself so valuable that they beg me to stay. Well, then what's wrong? I'm not sure I want the job. Why? Because as I look back on it, it ruined my life. Well, then, what do you want? Too late for that now. Well, you can tell me. No. I don't even want to tell it to myself. 
p.m., August 29th, we've notified Jones that he's won his demand, yet he refuses to free his hostage. He refuses to do anything or, or say anything. We call in a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist was unable to make contact either. Jones will talk to no one but me, and then only when he wants to. The psychiatrist is very much concerned. The uh, problem could be that he's developed a siege mentality. In all his life, he's been under terrible pressures, but they were varied and widespread. Now, here, everything is concentrated into a, a single time and place. He doesn't want to lose it. And that's why you can expect him to keep inventing demand after demand. Well, how long can that go on, Doctor? Until well, he cracks or kills himself, kills the girl. Unless... Unless what? Unless we find out what he really wants. Well, why doesn't he tell us? Maybe he doesn't know. I'm scared now. I know what he's doing. He's getting up the nerve to kill both himself and the girl. He sees some great dramatic climax for his life. If there was any way to do it, we would rush the place, but how? When are you going to do it? I'm sorry, but people have to be taught a lesson. Could I write a note? A note? To my fiancé. By dying, we can force people to look at the futility of their lives. Whatever that means. I see that so clearly. I'm very much in love with a certain person. You can understand that. Yes? Then can I write him a private message? All right. Thank you. I am sorry, you know. I wish I didn't have to kill us. Why do you have to kill us? Well, you take a hostage, you make a demand... The demand isn't met. What are you to do? But you haven't even made the demand. The true demand. Not the artificial one about the job. I realize that. Then make it. There's no point to it. It could never happen. Noon. August 30th. A sealed envelope was pushed out the door. It read, From Joanna Butler to Charles Carroll. Miss Butler's mother told me she knew of no Charles Carroll. Evidently, then, the note was for us. So we opened it. He wants his wife, not the wife he has now, but the wife she was in the beginning. He loves her. He loves her more than anything in the world. He wants to begin all over. If he can't, life isn't worth living. He'll kill himself. And unfortunately me. It's in her hands. I can't blame her if she wants nothing ever to do with him. But if somehow she is as unhappy as he is, as frustrated and as in love, she can save us. Mrs. Jones, will you read this letter? If what letter? And after you've read it, you will decide whether or not you want to go and talk to your husband. The letter will tell you what he really wants. You'll have to decide if it's what you want, too. And you won't be able to fool him. Mr. Jones! Mr. Jones, you have a visitor. I don't want to see anybody. Not even me, Jeff? Not even me? Helen. Jeff, you know what I'd like to do tonight? Go out somewhere. Get a sandwich and go skating. 
But the Paradise Rink's been closed these past 15 years. Well, then we'll go to a movie. But I don't have a job, Helen. I couldn't work there anymore. Oh, that doesn't matter. I can teach school. How can you teach school? You haven't worked in 15 years. <laughs> well, then, we both have a problem, don't we? p.m. August 30th. Chester Allen Jones surrendered. His hostage was freed, unhurt. Case closed from police standpoint. Respectfully submitted, Lieutenant Francis Xavier Fitzmorris. what she's doing now. Chester underwent a battery of tests and after a while was quietly released again into civilian life. We assume he and Helen are happy somewhere in a new environment. As for me, I'm well and happy every time you agree to wait until I return. succeeds in stopping the machine, if only for an instant, which is what the French factory workers did over 150 years ago when they threw their sabots, their wooden shoes, into the new machinery, from which we get the word sabotage, proving there is nothing new under the sun. Our cast included Mandel Kramer, Joe Silver, Evie Juster, Joan Shea, and Earl Hammond. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. A preview of our next tale. The Audley Company, your biggest and best customer. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. You, you know the one that you've been shipping all the um, engines to? Oh, sure. What about They don't exist. What'd you say? There is no Audley Company. <laughs> I'm waiting. For what? For the punchline, the rest of the joke. That isn't a joke. Ramon, are you all right? The plane made an emergency landing out of all places miles from city, South Dakota. I was trying to see this great company plant. You know, just to see it. But there isn't any plant, Ralph. Oh, come on. You can't be serious. Number one, Oliphant Avenue is a run-down, seedy, falling-apart office building. Honey, that's impossible. The Audley Company is just a name on the door, along with ten others or so. And, and it's just an address and a phone number. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.